0: Oh, this is the planes. Right. Yeah. There's skeleton right away. Welping, welcoming party. <laughs> He's got legs. Welcome to the planes, bitch. Where is he? He's got a skeleton lay. Is my keyboard dead? What is happening?
1: Oh, okay. Oh no. They pushed the boat. up. Yep, there you son of a bitch.
0: There we go. It took us w- literally one day to kill that thing. That's <laughs> it. An hour. Pretty good. Yeah, I think so. Look was tower over here. Yeah, there's like a fucking flag up there or something. See that?
1: would to be the craziest thing if there were like villagers and stuff in this game. Ah, can, like, there is a goblin. All the goblins! Oh my god, my god! <laughs> oh, it just destroyed fucking, me, dude. He's fucking annihilated you. Oh my right, god! I'll, I'll, uh, I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want well, to be. Well, my
0: stuff goblin, is over dude. there. Come back to the swamp and get me. I know. I
1: gotta go to the boat. <laughs> oh, the boat is fucking jumping
0: in the air for some reason. Oh my god, dude. He threw, like, a rock, and my my health went from, like, 120 to 30. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> We're
1: going to come back here with silver armor. That's so funny. hello and welcome to another episode of dicks talk flicks my name is greg and i'm joined with my co-host a man who is
0: the number one smurfs fan in the world billy <laughs> how you doing <laughs> oh yeah uh, i do like uh smurfette i like to look up her uh those porn ads <laughs> that pop up sometimes when i'm <laughs> when i'm reading the news Quotes
1: for, sure, for sure for sure well this week uh Please indulge us. Me and my brother are going to geek out about uh, our one of our favorite hobbies, a little game called uh, Warhammer, published by uh, Games Workshop. Uh, we're not going to just talk about Warhammer or Warhammer 40,000 or 40K as it's sometimes known. Specifically, we're going to cover a movie. It's called specifically Ultramarines, a Warhammer 40,000 movie. <laughs> now billy have you ever heard of this movie before i mentioned it to you
0: no and i didn't know that it was going to be this new i thought mm-hmm. well especially by the pictures when i googled it i thought this was gonna be like a early 2000s like tv show movie or something but mm-hmm. nope sure enough it's a real thing
1: it's a real thing and it came out <laughs> just at the turn of the decade last decade specifically 2010 film directed by mr martin pick as far as projects go, I couldn't really find anything exceptionally noteworthy that Martin Pick has done. But he does have a website, martinpick.com, and that's spelled M-A-R-T-Y-N-P-I-C-K.com. And it shows his various work. In particular, I think his artwork is actually pretty good. He's got a lot of smear paintings and stuff like that. And we see at least uh, one scene in this movie that shows that off a little bit. But if you oh, got nice. time, check it out. It's pretty cool. The screenplay of this movie, though, was written by Mr. Dan Abnett. Hell yeah! Yeah, those in the Warhammer (laughs) community do know Mr. Dan, he's written possibly more books for Black Library, the Games Workshop publishing company than just about any other author. Specifically, he tends to specialize in stories about space marines, which this is a story pretty much entirely about space marines. I did read somewhere, though, that he only wrote part of the screenplay, but the source that I found was a bit dubious, so whether or not that's just fans covering for the uh, <laughs> some dips in quality that this movie has or not, I'm not entirely sure.
0: The man who wrote the Warhammer 40k Bible, essentially, in Eisenhorn, man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that book's amazing. I think they probably just the him if it's only partial writing of this. It's probably he gave them the main story, here's your characters, here's what needs to happen, but I don't think mm. he choreographed it. Well, doesn't seem like anyone yeah. did, but <laughs> <laughs> uh Well,
1: some other bits of uh, background trivia about this. It was animated by a studio known as Codex Pictures, which was founded in 2008, and as far as I can tell, seems to have been made specifically for this movie, or at least the prospects of making films based on the 40000 license. It did dissolve in 2013, though, so likely if we do get another Warhammer film, probably won't be made by the same people, and... uh, I'll go over a a little bit of what I think the, the future prospects of that might be at the end of this, but some other noteworthy thing about the animation though, is that the facial capture techniques used was image metrics. Image metrics is a technique some of its notable credits include things like Grand Theft Auto 4, Assassin's Creed 2, but most importantly, the Black Eyed Peas music video for their hit song Boom Boom Pow." So if you want to <laughs> look that up real quick, and that'll give you an idea of what kind of uh, animation quality we're looking at in this movie.
0: That's hilarious, dude. I didn't know that.
1: It's very good. And a little bit more to preface this movie. Again, you'll have to indulge me. Warhammer is definitely one of my favorite hobbies to get lost in. Not necessarily to play or paint in any miniatures. Uh, actually, didn't even start really collecting miniatures until this year, and I just painted my first ones like about a month ago or so. So. I've known about Warhammer for over a decade now though from the video games and stuff and it's one of those one of those uh, pieces of popular culture that's just really easy to get lost in. You read a little bit about the lore and then the next thing you know you're going down the rabbit hole and you just find all this crap. So I'm going to go into a bit of lore to preface this movie and I'm going to point out some stuff as we go along but promise to keep it as short as I can. So if you've ever looked at a Warhammer 40K product before Chances are you've seen the stars of this movie, the Ultramarines. They're on posters, box art, other promotional material. If you've seen anything about Warhammer, chances are you've probably seen them on something. And they're the go-to chapter of Space Marines for Games Workshop when it comes to the miniatures. This, combined with their name, might make you think that these guys are supposed to be the best of the Space Marines. And that's only partially true. Ultramarines are Games Workshop's attempt at making a vanilla chapter of Space Marines. They're not called the Ultramarines because they're superior to all the other marine chapters, and reportedly it's not because they're blue either, at least. As time went on, they probably changed it so that it had less to do with the name and more to do with whatever lore they wanted to make up, but... Rather, they come from a subsector of space known as Ultramar, which is essentially its own miniature empire. So they're called the Ultramarines because their name literally means Marines of Ultramar. So there you go. As far as fighting style and outlook on life, they're quite literally a by-the-book chapter. Their progenitor literally wrote a book on how to be a space marine, but they've been so far removed from him that by the time we get to where we are now, they literally think of this manual he wrote as an actual Bible. They literally worship it. And as a result, when you play them on the tabletop, everything that they do feels very tactical and just so. Think of a plan to execute before the game even starts, and their special abilities help to make sure that everything goes exactly the way you want it to. So you play them very carefully and very methodically. And incidentally, this may also be why they have sort of a pseudo-Roman aesthetic as well. I also used the term chapter to describe them, and that's just what the different subfactions of Space Marines refer to themselves as. I won't get into the lore of why that is, but if my description of the Ultramarines or the way they sound in this movie seems lame, or if you just don't like the color blue, know that there are literally dozens of Space Marine chapters, each with their own lore and perspective on life and the setting in general, as well as their own fighting tactics. So, just to name a few, you've got quasi-viking barbarian werewolf men who drape themselves in wolf pelts and swing battle axes in the space wolves. Hell yeah. you got Catholic (laughs) paladin-esque berserkers with a sort of vampire vibe and the blood angels. you got Mongolian outriders who specialize in hit-and-run tactics on motorcycles with guns strapped to them instead of horses and the the white scars, but there are entire channels on YouTube and I'm sure a few other podcasts other than ours dedicated to literally just talking about 40k lore, as well as wiki pages and hundreds of books, as we said, public by games workshop themselves so if you're curious highly recommend just looking up anything on warhammer
0: one of these days and just see how far you go yeah dude i even uh, just got that blood angel funko randomly at <laughs> gamestop or whatever it's like an addiction exactly. man once you kind of like you connect to certain things in warhammer i think that's what it is certain mm-hmm. factions or you know whatever certain characters and that helps with the addiction for sure, for sure.
1: Yeah, you might think it's really lame at first until you find that that one character or that one faction that seems to really speak with you. And then next thing you know, you're reading about all the <laughs> other factions that they're fighting against and the sub-factions of those factions and all the special characters that go in there and... It's ridiculous, but you, 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 gotta,
0: you get a starter box on your Amazon queue before <laughs> you even know. <laughs> yeah. Before, before
1: yeah. you even know, you spend two thousand dollars on a two thousand point army, and then where has your life gone?
0: I don't. Or you know, buy a three but... D printer, is thinking you can print your own. I, I'd be interested to know if they changed them to blue after like Starcraft came out. With their like blatant ripoff of the Space Marine, you know, they were all blue from what I remember. Mostly, well, I think so... that's a,
1: a an endless debate in the in the geek community is who ripped off who first. the The story I always heard was that Games Workshop contacted Blizzard first back when they were like a like a 10 person team essentially like a startup company right and games workshop said hey you guys are good at making video games make a warhammer game for us and then as time went on for whatever reason games workshop decided to pull out and so wizard hall all these assets already made and so they said to themselves well instead of throwing this out why don't we just change a few things and then just release it as is and just make up stuff just throw in pop culture references for the fun of it
0: yeah they're basically the same thing without all the religion yeah yeah exactly. you know? Yeah, they're just like more realistic people. Hmm. But yeah,
1: we could geek out about this stuff until the end of time, or at least until Games Workshop finally closes its <laughs> doors. But before we ramble on too much, let's just get right into the film. You got anything else to add, Billy?
0: Uh, no, man. I'm ready.
1: Alright, excellent. It is the
2: 41st millennium. In the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war. The Emperor of Mankind wages a constant battle to protect humanity from the horrors of space. On the fringes of the Imperium, alien races lurk and plot, and Chaos Demons leak into our reality from the torment of the Warp. All that stands in their way are the mighty Space Marines. They are more than mortal. They are steel and they are doomed. They are the champions of mankind. And the greatest of them all are the Ultramarines.
1: We open on what appears to be an Iron Fist squad defending a church. The Iron fists are another space marine chapter and don't let their blazing eye gouging yellow armor fool you they're actually one of the cooler space marine chapters if you read into their lore but regardless the HUD on this guy's display helmets because we're looking through his perspective from the first person it's got a lot of weird pointless information on it like their chapter symbol this is just a fist in the corner of his eye bunch of random characters in the lower left corner and text that says things like purge the unclean and kill the heretic. (laughs) Uh, We are introduced to this character because he's the only one referred to by name. His name is Brother Nidon. He rushes to protect what they call the Codex and he keeps mumbling to himself how he must protect the relic over and over again. But then we cut and we get an opening monologue about the setting in general, how the space marines are all that stands in the way of all kinds of nasty stuff on the fringes of the galaxy the narrator says that the ultramarines are the best but as i said we already know that that's kind of a
0: lie yeah he pretty much runs down how amazing they are hyping you (laughs) up yeah Uh,
1: and we see a a large stained glass mural to, to go along with that it features the ultramarines doing cool stuff fighting aliens and swinging swords around and crap like that two ultramarines are having a sparring match the captain is lecturing about how chaos corrupts and the ultramarines must fight against it it is the captain himself who is actually dueling against a young upstart whose name is proteus proteus is played by a man named sean pertwee his notable roles are in two somewhat underrated or at least underappreciated horror films he plays the character sergeant wells in the european horror movie dog soldiers and he also plays <laughs> pilot smith in event horizon and if no one is cool enough to get those two references. He also played Alfred on the Gotham TV show.
0: Oh, nice. Event Horizon used to be like my favorite horror movie of all time, too. Yeah, that movie's awesome. It's, yeah. Uh, just speaking of stuff
1: influenced by Warhammer. like
0: Yeah, no shit. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> man, oh man.
1: But the captain, his name is Severus, although I'll most likely refer to him solely as the captain for most of this review. He is played by Terrence Stamp. He's best known for playing General Zod in the early Superman films. But mm-hmm. he's also played the transgender woman Bernadette Bassinger in the film The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Uh, my friend is obsessed with drag queens and actually showed me that movie, and it's actually pretty awesome. It uh, stars Hugo Weaving, and it's 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 not bad. It's pretty great. Hell yeah. Uh, some nerder, nerdier things he's done are being the main antagonist of the Mehrunes' Dagon cult. Mancar cameron and the elder scrolls 4 oblivion and he was also the prophet of truth in halo 3 uh, i never played halo 3 but i did play oblivion and uh i don't quite remember that character but i'm sure somebody out there will get that reference
0: he just has such a great voice for that like the uh the elder stern kind of uh character you know exactly he's really yeah. good at, at, at lecturing or telling <laughs> yeah, you the so way the
1: world is yeah he's A a natural fit for a cult leader, essentially.
0: Yeah, a cult, yeah.
1: Anyhow, Proteus manages to disarm his captain, and he gets on top of him, holding a blade to his throat. Proteus makes the mistake of letting the captain take his helmet off, though, which Severus uses as a blunt instrument to knock Proteus to the ground. And he then gets up on top of him, holding the blade to his throat, and telling him that Ultramarines never give up, they never yield. And so you can't give your opponent mercy no matter what.
3: You mustn't be steel. You must be doom. You must use everything you've got. Chaos has no honor. Close in. No more drills. No more practice. You are about to receive the honor of going into combat for the first time as ultramarines.
4: Brother Python? Captain Severus. Make your battle pledges upon this sacred warhammer. This hallowed weapon has fought in the hands of our greatest veterans. It has slain alien beasts and demons alike. One day you may be worthy enough to wield it. Until then, you may kneel before it.
3: March for a know no,
1: no fear. Fear. Severus also lets them know that all of these dudes we're seeing are going to combat for the first time. He has his second-in-command, Apothecary Pythal, take up a sacred relic, a warhammer. Specifically, a thunderhammer, which is a specific kind of technological uh, weapon that the Space Marines use. To give a little bit of background lore on it it essentially stores energy until the point where it makes contact with the enemy and so it, it creates a that much more of a, a boom essentially which is why it's called a thunder hammer but he makes all the the recruits kneel before it and as the camera pulls out it turns out this whole thing took place on a spaceship i assume it's either a strike cruiser or frigate given the small size of the squad but the space marine ships essentially all look like flying monasteries because they're basically warrior monks. They have this whole religious aspect to everything that they do because they they serve the god emperor
0: for the emperor. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually a pretty cool shot too because this whole time you're you're kind of thinking you're in some like thunderstruck world, you know, and it's this giant cathedral, and then it pans out and you're literally just floating. That's yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, he uh, uh, he mentions that this is their this specific training group's first mission as ultramarines, right? Exactly. Yeah, this is their—they're you're getting thrown right to the fire, dude. Like you know, space <laughs> yeah. marine way, I guess. But
1: yeah, they don't know it yet. But they're yeah. uh, they're they're going to be tested as hard as he possibly can. And if you watch this movie and you're wondering why Pythol has mostly white armor, it's because traditionally minded chapters such as the Ultramarines will denote the roles of certain marines with certain paint jobs, mm-hmm. regardless of what colors they originally are. So apothecaries are essentially field medics, and they wear white. Uh, which gets a little confusing when your chapter colors are already white, but <laughs> most chapters have some kind of way of denoting stuff like that. Also, the Apothecary usually has a lot of extra bits and stuff like surgical equipment attached to his back, so pretty easy to tell him from all the other normal guys. But Apothecary Pythal, he is voiced by Donald Sumpter. The only especially noteworthy thing I could find on him is he played Maester Lewin in The Game of Thrones. I've never seen the Game of Thrones, so I don't know who that is exactly. But again, I'm sure somebody out there will get that reference.
0: I've seen the whole thing, and I don't, dude, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There's like 800 characters, dude. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So we get shots of the boys as they're preparing to go to war. One guy is carving fun little messages into his bolts, like, uh, kill the heretic. And we see a a gross little cyborg guy. He's uh, attaching what are called purity seals to one of the Space Marines. Now, a servitor, uh, if you watch this movie and you're trying to figure out what the hell this thing even is, they are essentially either volunteer or specifically chosen civilians that have been augmented with cybernetics, and they're essentially like serfs. They just serve the, the space marines, they do their laundry and clean their shit and maintain their armor and shit like that for them so that the marines don't have to do it themselves. Though, since this is also 40k, which is the setting that invented Grimdark, Sometimes servitors are also lobotomized failed space marines because the process to make a space marine is uh, quite brutal and not everyone survives. And so the ones they're able to salvage, they'll sometimes still be able to make use for them by making them into biomechanical machines, essentially. But anyhow, and a purity seal, they're special to the space marines, but they don't really have any special powers or anything like that. They're essentially just badges of honor with little prayers written on them, and it just helps to to round out the whole warrior-monk aesthetic that Space Marines have.
0: It looks cool, too. Like, they, they mm-hmm. make, not just in this movie, but especially on the figures, they make really cool use of those scrolls all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. So the brothers, they're, they're palling around, talking about how they hope to get stuck into melee combat. Because all the skirmishes they've had so far have been disappointingly unglorious. I always thought that it was weird how so many Space Marine chapters are so obsessed with like going out and doing cool shit. But I suppose at the same time, if I was a seven to eight foot tall Superman who could quite literally eat through a tank, yes. then I'd probably want to go out and just rip people in half with my bare hands, too. So
0: Plus, you're uh. just judged on your glory and in the space marine faction so like if you ain't doing shit nobody's gonna take you serious you know
1: that's true if you just play it by the numbers then you don't stand out from the other guys so that's true that's true also me saying that they can eat through a tank is not an exaggeration either (laughs) space marines have a lot of really weird powers in the lore one of the craziest ones is that their spit is so acidic it can actually help them chew through steel so think about that (laughs) but at this point uh, as they're all talking about this Apothecary Pythal, he shows up to be a grumpy old man and saying that war isn't about glory and it's the results that they're the only things that matters.
3: So, a shooting war, you think? A real one this time? Maybe, Vernon. if the Emperor is smiling on us. Pray that he is.
2: My belly growls for a taste of actual combat.
3: <laughs> Any word of the draft? Probably just another false alarm, Brother Hypax.
2: Like Algol. Algol? There wasn't even a scrap of glory for us there.
4: So eager to die? Glory is a two-edged blade.
2: Are you shy away from combat,
4: Python? Oh, Proteus. You novices are all alike. And I'm the one who has to put you back together. It isn't combat I resent, brother. It's the thirst for glory that gets men cut to ribbons. Look at you. You all look so very fine. And I do not doubt the fire in your hearts. But you do not yet know war as I do. Well, with respect.
2: That is why we are here. We do not want to go back to McCrag. Empty-handed.
4: I know. Just don't be in such a hurry. Death will find you soon enough.
1: They kind of blow them off, though, and the alarms go off, so they they prepare to get into the landing vehicle, the landing ship. They're going to a planet that looks very Mars-like. It's not actually Mars, though. Mars uh, still exists in the Warhammer universe. It takes place in our universe, and uh, it has its own lore that would take literally an entire podcast to get through, so I'm not going to get into that, but... (laughs) As they take off in their landing ship, though, the captain specifically refers to the planet as a backwater called Mithron. It has only one significant site, an imperial shrine defended by a company of imperial fists, which a company of space marines includes 100 space marines. And Mm -hmm. the squad we're going down with these guys is roughly 12 or so, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's not until this moment they even realize that. The guy is like, oh, yeah, this, this, this. And they're like, wait, so it's 12 versus 100 of these? And they're like, yeah, yeah. But you're Space Marines, right? So, like, fuck it. But these Imperial Imperial fists are no slouch, though. They're Space Marines, too, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They're one of the... they're one of the,
1: the founding chapters uh, along with the Ultramarines, so they're they're essentially counterparts to each other. So, yeah, they are yeah. grossly underestimating how difficult this mission is going to be.
0: First mission with these dudes, and they don't even know the bad shit yet. It's, just straight up, it's already, like, the worst thing possible, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: too good. Uh, they talk about how no Vox communication is coming through, but they did manage to find a distress call, which just keeps looping over and over again, so... They're going out there in the hopes that maybe somebody survives so they can figure out what the hell's going on. Apothecary Pythal, uh, speaking of which, he he denotes about how horribly outnumbered they are. But the captain, he just blows them off like he does throughout this whole movie, basically. Mm-hmm. He, he says how the, the next line of reinforcements is six feet out, so the duty of this mission belongs to this squad and this squad only. So they're going to get it done. As they're landing, or they're preparing to the land, all the boys are swinging their dicks around, talking about <laughs> how much ass they're going to kick. <laughs> Python he just keeps being an old man, saying how they're all just not prepared for what's coming.
0: That's exactly what I wrote, too. I said, it's a, a, a dude's roundtable dick flex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
1: pretty much what it is. Yeah. As they try to land, though, they find that there's a large storm hovering over the shrine. So they got to land a ways away and foot slog it out to the destination. And as the Marines are putting on their helmets, the camera zooms into Pylon's eye. And we get an epileptic flashback sequences of all the the horrors of war he's experienced of him fighting with aliens in hand-to-hand combat and watching people get dismembered and shit like that. Crazy.
0: It's like a highlight reel. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) We move on quickly, though, and as their transport lands, they all fan out to check all their angles. And we get a great line, one of a couple very British, sort of semi-cynical lines from the captain.
3: Full scout. The Emperor protects, but it does no harm to double-check.
1: The captain has some of the dudes get into a land speeder, which is sort of like a a hover jeep with with guns attached to it, (laughs) essentially. And we see as they all start to move out, the perspective of looks like somebody looking at them from the cliffs as sort of like a a hills-have-eyes kind of situation. Pythol tries to tell the captain he's got bad vibes coming from this situation, but the captain doesn't care. He just brushes them off. They fan out, and they start marching forward, and the captain tells the pilot that they'll be back in two hours. He just <laughs> has every confidence that, that nothing's going to go wrong on this trip.
0: He just trucks on no matter what, dude. Mm-hmm. As they walk forward,
1: though, Proteus' comms is picking up what sounds like screaming. He tries to tell everybody, but they just play it off like it's his nerves. The captain looks out at the storm, and as he takes his helmet off, he hears the same screaming. And he turns back around, and their their banner, because they... They, they, one of the guys is like a flagpole carrier essentially, so they got their, their chapter banner with them. But the, the banner is specifically designed to pick up chaos frequencies essentially, and it does so by glowing with electricity, which it's doing right now. But for whatever reason, even though it's sparking out all crazy like this, the captain just says, uh, that's just weather
0: interference. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, they're staring in this blind giant storm. And chaos, by the way, is like their main rivals, you know. If, not to get to it in the war and everything but they they're like the demons mm-hmm. that take over old space marines and other factions and shit like that and it's exactly. just like the vein there it's like yeah the virus that consumes yeah yeah yeah. i love chaos man they're, they're fucking awesome some of <laughs> yeah. their like it's just like uh an extremely gothic take on all the space marine stuff like yeah the, exactly. they'll still be in the armor with like skulls and like like you know <clears throat> big appendages raging out it's fucking amazing
1: yeah, just imagine Space Marines, but even more heavy metal with, like you said, skulls adorning all of them and spiky bits sticking out all over the place. And they've got, yeah. like, demon freaking skin cloaks and shit like that. It's crazy.
0: You trade in all the uh, religious bullshit for demon shit, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, big claws and whatever. And they got, uh, like, the those distinct, like, spiky necklaces and stuff. Like, they, it's really cool, man. Mm-hmm. Chaos, even though their name denotes somewhat
1: random organization and things like that, they're actually more, like you said, about corruption. They're more about the personification of negative traits and qualities and just manifesting them physically in the real world. And so chaos is less literally chaos and more about corruption and things like that. So they decide to go forward despite the banner going crazy. Uh, we cut back to the land speeder guys, and they reach a point in the storm where visibility is just non-existent. The captain tells them to stay put, and we get ominous noises coming from the dust cloud. And as we cut back to the squad, Proteus thinks he sees something moving in the shadows, and he just starts freaking blasting, just unloading his gun. <laughs> and all the guys are freaking out by this, because they don't see anything, and this guy's just shooting off into the distance.
0: Yeah, they're just like shitting on him, too. They're like, oh, he's just some nervous loser. What mm-hmm. a loser Proteus is.
1: Yeah, and even the Lansphere guys speed back as soon as they start hearing gunshots. Oh, yeah. No, false alarm. Uh, As you said, everybody just blows it off. They start walking forward again. As they trudge through the dust clouds. visibility, as I said, is still basically next to nothing. One guy is a flamethrower, and he's just shooting off little tufts of flame just to light the Yeah, But the heavy weapons guy, he manages to find something in the dust. And as it clears away, we see a, a brutal battlefield where the Imperial Fist Marines have just been absolutely massacred and torn apart. But more so than that, they've been desecrated. Essentially, we see one guy who's literally just been strapped and crucified to a rock. A lot of guys have their helmets taken off and they're put on spikes and lit on fire and crap like that. It's it's horrible.
0: They got dudes that yeah, they're they're pegged to like those demon ritual signs and shit like that too. Mm-hmm. Like just filleted, and it. it's pretty cool.
3: Imperial Fists, Fifth Company, the Shrine Guard.
4: Dead, decayed, nothing left to save. This is desecration. This is vile desecration. This is the handiwork of chaos. Continuing with this mission would not be an act of valor. It would be a waste of this squad. In your opinion, Apothecary? We have an obligation to warn the chapter house.
3: Your courageous recommendation is noted, Python. Crusto, scout ahead. Yes, Captain. Do we still have a fix on that beacon? The
0: fix is still clean.
3: That beacon may lead us to someone who can explain.
0: Yet again, the captain's just like, well, fuck it, we gotta keep on moving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, even,
1: he even points out that it's not just a battlefield, but it's a desecrated battlefield. And yeah. that they're, they're dealing with chaos, which, like we've been saying, chaos is uh, space marine counterparts. Again, not to get too into the lore, but... Some chaos space marines have literally been around for thousands of years and have equally as much combat experience. So they're no slouches in combat. They're equal to, if not greater than, space marines in many ways. But the captain's just like, yeah,
0: whatever. Yeah, both parties live a really long time, don't they? I think space marines mm-hmm. live a. They can. I mean, they can live like a couple hundred years, but nothing like chaos because they're fucking demons. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> It's not defined that space marines ever live to a, a particular point. A, a lot of space marines, the oldest lived ones, live for over a thousand years. But That's what I thought, most, yeah, yeah, Most space marines die in the line of battle, so no one really has any empirical evidence as to whether or not they're effectively immortal. They do seem to age, though. So Yeah, they all look that, terrible. Yeah, one would think <laughs> that they eventually die out, but what are you going to do? So the captain tells them that they need to keep going because they need to find out whoever sent out the distress beacon. So regardless of the fact that they're not getting any communication through, there's still a small chance that somebody might be out there. So they're going to keep on going regardless. As we go on through the crags, because the, the shrine is up in the mountain, we see more corpses. And part of the shrine seems to be suspended in the middle of a deep crevasse. The captain tries to get, get the speeder guys to report in because they went ahead of everybody, but... The land speeder's not moving, and they're not responding to Vox communication, so... Captain decides to advance across this rickety wooden bridge, which apparently can support space marines, even though they weigh, like, the size of a truck, but...
0: Right. And the scout, right? Like, what did the scout take?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's but a ship, regardless. yeah. <laughs> regardless. He decides to take just one guy with him, named Varanor. He's come up somewhat sparingly up to this point, but from this point on, he's basically a main character. And as they approach the land speeder, we find out that the, the guys in the landsphere they've been each shot in the head once. So, Varinor, he's played by a man named Stephen Waddington, whose notable roles include the Duke of Buckingham from the Tudors, which is a very British show. Uh, don't know if we have any British listeners, but there you go.
5: <laughs>
1: the other thing that people might know him from, though, is uh, he played a, a very ma- minor character in Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow movie. He's Mr.
0: Killian, so...
1: If you find yourself watching that movie in the future, just keep an eye out for Mr. Killian and know that he's also in the Space Marines movie.
0: Most known for this, though, clearly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just as they find out that they've been killed, though, of course, they get fired on by a hilltop shooter. And this just causes all hell to break, loose. Everyone just starts shooting their guns all over the place. Proteus wants to rush in and help the captain, and another guy tells him to stay put. As the guy who's telling him to stay put is saying this, he gets shot by the side, and this just instantly takes him down turns out there's a sniper in one of the shrine towers and so all the guys just start freaking unloading on that position varanor he manages to scale the cliff and we get our first glimpse of a chaos space marine it looks like a burn victim wearing black space marine armor that has skulls and spiky crap all attached to it like we were saying he manages to take him out no problem though but another chaos guy tries to sneak up with an axe but the captain intercepts him and he runs him through with his chain and for those who don't know Warhammer is an extremely over-the-top setting where everything <laughs> starts awesome and just keeps getting crazier and wilder as things get more powerful. And so the standard issue assault weapon for a Space Marine is a chainsaw sword or a chainsword. It has microfilament blades that are sharp to a molecular level so it can basically cut through pretty much anything. And this is what Space Marines start with. This is just standard issue.
0: I was stoked when this happened, dude, because it came so quick and I was like, hell yeah, they put the sword in there. They had to. Uh, so good.
3: You intact? Yes, Captain. First blood to you, Varana. So, now we know our enemy. Chaos Space Marines. <laughs> yes. Chaos indeed. Black Legion.
1: So the other guys, they're shooting up at the tower. There's a, a slow-mo bit of the, of the bolt that has killed a heretic engraved in it. They shoot it so much that the tower just explodes. And if you're wondering how that's possible with just normal bullets, know also that the Space Marines don't just use regular guns. but Rather, their firearms are called bolters. And a bolter fires a mini grenade-sized round called a bolt. It's designed to lodge itself inside the target and then explode. So, the standard issue firearm for a space marine is essentially a
0: semi automatic, armor
1: piercing, rocket propelled <laughs> grenade launcher.
0: Yeah, no, nothing's low key with these dudes. Yeah, it's so good. I love this shot too because you get like a slow mo, that typical bullet slow mo camera shot where it follows the round around, but it has the kill the heretic carved in it each round and shit.
1: Exactly. That's so awesome, good. man. So the captain and Varenor, they're discussing the Chaos Space Marines, and as they're looking over his dead body, he wakes up, only to have his brain sliced off by the captain's chainsword <laughs> and Sprays blood all over the place. It's crazy. Fuck yeah. The captain points out that they belong to the Black Legion. And again, without going into too much detail, because God, there's a lot of detail you can go into, especially about the Chaos Space Marines. The Black Legion is one of many Chaos Space Marine subfactions, just like the chapters are to the Space Marines, and Chaos itself, they, they form into what's known as Legions. The Black Legion themselves is the most vanilla Chaos Space Marine chapter, sort of as a counterpart to the Ultramarines. Their whole deal is that they'll accept any Chaos Space Marines from any Legion, but their, their main goal is to try and go and take out Terra, which is our Earth. In the in the Warhammer universe, though, it's essentially the, the capital of the entire Empire, and it's the most sacred place in the entire galaxy, and so they just launched crusade after crusade to try and take it, but they never managed to, because plot reasons, essentially. <laughs> They're meant to be one of the largest and the most well-organized of the Chaos Space Marine Legions as well. Going along with what I said about how some of the Chaos Space Marines are literally thousands of years old, like they're meant to be one of the most serious Chaos Space Marine chapters, at least in the lore. But despite that, considering they have a track record of always losing, I mean, maybe it does kind of make sense that they just kind of suck, but... (laughs) Details. I know people argue about this when it comes to this movie, but what are you going
0: to do? Yeah, no kidding.
1: The captain looks over the dead, and we're up to three casualties now. And instantly the mood has shifted. These guys went from swinging their dicks around, thinking that they're invincible, and now they the only thing they want to do is just leave. The already tiny squad of dudes is already smaller, and we get to see Apothecary Pythal perform the primary duty of an Apothecary, which is actually extracting the gene seed from fallen space marines. Again, <laughs> there's a lot of lore surrounding this, but <laughs> essentially what a gene seed is is... Uh, a DNA sequence that they use to create more space marines. And the reason why they need to bring an apothecary along to to collect it whenever a space marine dies is because the gene seed is very hard to recreate. Basically impossible. So every gene seed they lose just means that it's that much harder for them to make even more space marines. And considering they're going up against chaos, it's doubly bad because if chaos gets a hold of their gene seed, then chaos gets to make more chaos space marines. So... It's just a circle of shit. Yeah. (laughs) And as we've been saying since the beginning, this this mission just keeps getting worse and worse.
4: Permission to extract their gene seed. Granted. May the Emperor bless and protect this sacred legacy so that the strength of these brave warriors may live on in ultramarines as yet unborn. The abiding honor of our fortress, the Crag, In the name of the chapter and the Primarch, to whom we owe all.
3: We shall mourn them later, if the Emperor grants us time. Who is to carry this now? I will, Captain. Is that so, Proteus? No. Hypex? Yes, Captain. You carry that safe.
1: I will. Proteus says that he wants to carry the the banner because the the guy who got shot was the one carrying it. The captain decides that he's not responsible enough, so he decides to give it to just a generic faceless guy instead. He's got a name, but I mean, he's not important. The captain finally starts acknowledging the weight of the situation, though. But he still decides that they need to keep going up the mountain, so... He asks Pythol to do what he has to do if worse comes to worse. Pythol tries to argue, but the captain just shoots him down, just tells him that he needs to do it. We don't know what that is exactly yet, but it'll be revealed in due time. As they climb, the main entrance is littered with more bodies, and the main bridge is blown out. There's still platforms though, so Proteus and Varanor, they decided to parkour all over these, these little pillars. The sequence that takes a really long time, and I kind of imagine that they used it for padding, just because it doesn't advance the plot in any way, and they don't really say or do anything, so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of dorky, too. They're just hopping, and they're, like, joking around (laughs) with each other and shit as they're doing it, and it's
1: weird. Very strange. As they get to the front door, though, they find that the Imperial Fists are quite literally nailed to it. And we get close-up shots of all their bodies and how they're twitching and all discombobulated and stuff. It's it's gross.
0: It's badass.
1: There's Black Legion corpses around too, though, and Proteus questions whether or not Varanor will be able to recognize the Taint of Chaos. And I think this is less out of him questioning Varanor's faith and more just Proteus' nerves, because he seems to second-guess himself a lot, but it's not especially clear. As they make it to a courtyard, though, Paranor starts seeing stuff again. But they decided to just walk in anyway, and then the rest of the squad does the exact same thing they just did.
0: So we got we got the squad inside, hooray! Yeah, the whole crew is finally together in there. <laughs> God, that scene took it, so long, man. It was like a two thousands PS one like cutscene. You know, like just, <laughs> yeah, this is so unnecessary, dude. Let's just go. <laughs>
1: uh this whole movie kind of seems like an old school like so like
0: speaking of starcraft it literally looks like the videos (laughs) from the original starcraft dude it's so weird i love it 2010 oh my god but
1: anyway it's dark and spooky inside the shrine there's no natural light or anything like that doesn't even look like there's electronics hooked up it just looks like a like an old chapel monastery that you'd see in like italy or something yeah but uh We get a cool POV shot as they're looking around and moving through. They're climbing up the stairs, and Paranor's breathing all hard because he's getting nervous because they don't know what's going to be in here. As they're walking around, though, uh, they turn around, and the heavy weapons guy gets domed. And (laughs) we see his helmet split apart, and as he falls down, his his head is just caved in. He's just splurting blood all over the place. Turns out there's a chaos demon in here. And they, they manage to see it jump out of the shadows, so they shoot at it. It starts hiding by jumping between the pillars and the shadows. We get a lot of cool shots as they're looking around. We get a a, a wide-angle shot where we see it like skulking around in the shadows. We see a shot where it's a, a top-down shot of a, a puddle on the ground, and then we can see it crawling around the ceiling and stuff. It's, it's kind of dope.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: It jumps out again, though, and it managed to drag one guy off. The captain, in a in a big dick move, he decides to just <laughs> jump at it and start sawing at it with his sword.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah.
1: He grabs him up, though, pins him up against the wall, so he throws the sword to Proteus. And Proteus tries to use it, but he's clearly outmatched in this situation. This demon is, like, 15 feet tall, and he just smacks him out of the way. The demon, though, he bursts through the wall with the captain, and they both fall down and fall into the never-ending ravine. We can't even see them because they go through the, the mist, and we don't know what happened
0: to him. Very uh, Lord of the Rings with Gandalf and uh, that big demon thing.
1: Exactly. And now it's raining. Proteus is still looking over the the hole in the wall where the the captain fell down. And this whole situation is just fucked, basically. All the guys, they're all sitting around and they're just moping, just like wondering what to do. Varenor tries to say that they need to just leave. They need to just go back and send a report for reinforcements, but Proteus says that they're staying they they've got to they've got to go check out what the distress signal is because there's even a slight chance that there might be somebody there then they'll all have been worth it I guess now we know what he's here death and demons we need to get a report back to McCrag.
4: pray we live long enough to get back to the transport we are not going back to the transport throne of terror you insane and since when did you make the decisions Proteus Tell him, Python. Tell him i captain was quite clear. Command should go to Proteus. I say we go back. So say your brothers. The beacon is still sending. It's on
3: auto-cycle.
2: There is a chance it is not.
3: We march from
2: the crack And, and
3: we
5: shall, shall know no fear!
2: Brother Hypax, that standard catches light. You warn
3: me. I, Proteus.
1: Veranor tries to persuade Pythol to object, but Pythal points out that the captain insisted that Proteus take his place, even though Pythal does actually agree with Varanar, so... Again, Proteus decides that they're going after the beacon, so he rallies them up. He has them recite the, the Space Marine Creed, and they all get all jazzed up by that. And so they immediately put their helmets back on, and they start trudging off again.
0: That was enough. We're all comfortable to follow nervous-ass Proteus now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Into <laughs> yeah, like, the, Even the fucking worst horrors imaginable. We already lost yeah. everybody. <laughs> We've been shitting on him this entire time,
1: too. But the captain says he's the <laughs> yeah. best guy for the job, so you know what? He's the best guy for the job. Yep. Proteus, though, he does immediately start to take charge and giving orders around and stuff. He tells the next standard bearer to warn him, have the banner lights up, because they can use it to detect any further chaos. As they continue on through the shrine, they manage to find a rather spooky-looking space marine who's all in black armor, and he has a skull helmet with script written all over it, and a belt of scrolls across strapped across his chest. There's this weird thing with Warhammer where... Even the quote-unquote good-guy factions, as much as there are good-guy factions in Warhammer, they all look like bad-guy factions from any other game, basically. <laughs> they, and more specifically, for whatever reason, skulls are a, a big thing in the aesthetics of Warhammer. Always mm-hmm. human skulls, too. N- never like orc skulls or, or some kind of alien skull or anything like that. They just decorate everything just because it looks cool.
0: Well, they're but, so anyway. they're so such prideful creatures, man. They like to have their trophies. No matter what it is, uh, just strapped yeah. all over them. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, they'll wear like skull necklaces and shit. Even the good ones, are good quote guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe it's yeah. a way to like honor like fallen troops or something like that to like take True. them in the combat and crap. I don't know. I
0: mean, in Vietnam, dude, Americans were wearing dudes' ears as necklaces and stuff. So I think you kind of lose your mind in war anyway. And you're, like you said, you're a superhuman, so fuck it. Yeah,
1: that's that's very fair. But this spooky-looking guy, he introduces himself as Karnak, and he's a chaplain of the Imperial Fists. Now, Karnak is voiced by what I personally do consider to be the most prolific character of the cast. It's played by John Hurt. John Hurt has done many roles, the most notable ones being the main bad guy in V for Vendetta. He's also Hellboy's dad in the original Hellboy movies, and he's the lawn shop owner in the Harry Potter movies. He's also the titular Elephant Man in the old David Lynch film of the same name, but his most notable scene is being the guy who had the alien burst out of his chest in the original Alien film.
0: I was hoping you were going to mention this one. I was waiting to jump in, but <laughs> hell yeah. I beat you to
2: it. Heck yeah. So good. In the name of the Emperor, identify yourself. Carnac. Chaplain of the Imperial Fisps. How many are you? This is Nidon. Well, Needon can point his weapon somewhere else. Any more? We're here to get you out. Not us.
1: Getting back to the film, though, you might be wondering why a space marine is dressed so spookily, and that's because, much like apothecaries, Karnak is a special type of space marine called a chaplain, as I said. They're required to wear skull helmets, and they paint their armor black, and essentially their whole role is being insanely devout space marines who scream litanies and prayers, and they just act like cheerleaders, essentially, to inspire other space marines to just be fearless and just fight harder. They don't necessarily have special powers, but on the tabletop, they give out buffs depending on what prayer they're reciting. And they make it really easy to keep a troop morale. So, like, you take them into a detachment where you know you're going to lose a bunch of guys, and they, they don't run away. They'll just keep charging forward, regardless of what happens.
0: They're essentially your lucky charms, almost. Yeah, you know, exactly. Good things will ha- yeah.
1: Proteus asks, though, who all is left of the Imperial Fists besides him? And Karnak reveals that just one other guy behind, besides him is there, and it's Nidon, the guy from the very beginning. Proteus tells them that they're here to extract them, but Karnak points out that there's actually something more important than extraction. He leads them to a room which contains the Liber Mithras, which is a sacred codex given to the Imperial Fists by the god-emperor of mankind himself. Looking at it though, it looks horribly evil. It's got a big demon skull on it and it's bound in like human skin, it looks like. And yeah, it's so like I a, don't know. Damn Necronomicon, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as we said, everybody kind of looks evil in the Warhammer universe. So, I mean, it might be a holy text.
0: You don't know. In the grand scheme, who really is the good guy? Honestly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just a uh, universal war. Who really cares? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Pythol tries to grab the Codex, though, and Nidon points a gun to his head, telling him no one's allowed to touch it. And Karnak points out that Nidon was specifically charged with its safekeeping and its job he takes very seriously. So Karnak recounts how the Fists fought off the Chaos Space Marines for three weeks. They were sending distress signals the entire time, and nobody came. And then, at the, the end of the three weeks, a warp gate opened up with all kinds of demons that poured out of it. So warp gates uh, the warp itself is essentially the the realm that chaos exists in. It's essentially a realm that overlaps the the material world, the world that we inhabit and rifts and tears can open up to it at at any particular time and all kinds of horrible shit just pour out when that happens. So they had a bad situation go all the worse because of that.
0: Yeah, fuck this planet, dude. This this planet <laughs> yeah. just seems to be shitty, man.
1: Exactly. They ask him how Karnak and Nidon managed to survive. And even Karnak, being a chaplain and thus extremely devout to the Emperor, can only answer that he has no comforting answer into why he needed Nidon's why he and Nidon survived the assault. He doesn't know what happened. They just got lucky, I guess.
0: They're sus as shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) they're like, how? We just lost, like, ten dudes now, you know?
1: Right, and you guys have been here for how long? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nobody's molested you.
0: A month before it got worse? Like, come on. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) How long have you been here, Chaplain? Since long before
2: the darkness fell. What happened? They assaulted the shrine. We fought for three weeks. All the while transmitting requests for aid. Then some horror was unleashed. A warp gate must have opened, and through it, vile legions of demonic furies descend. You have seen the results. How did you survive? I have no comforting answer, Battle Brother. All I know is that we must get this sacred artifact to save.
1: The flashback sequence is cool when he's telling the story, too. It's uh, done in the paint smear style, which seems to be a hallmark for Martin Pick, like I said. He does a lot of artwork with uh, with like paint smearing and stuff like that, so check out his website. It's got a lot of cool stuff. As they begin to move out, Needon seems particularly distressed by the situation, and he's hesitant to remove the codex. Veranor manages to calm him down a bit, though, and convinces him to move out with the rest of the squad, saying that they, they just gotta go. Like <laughs> There's no point staying here. As they move down the mountain, Vernor talks privately with Proteus how he thinks the fists might be corrupted by Chaos, since they're the only two who survived. Proteus just tells him to keep a close eye on them, though. And as they travel further along, we start hearing demonic screams from the cliffs and insane whispers from some of the Chaos guys about how they want to jump out and, like, peel their skin off and crap.
5: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: one chaos space Marine in particular, he gets on a really high cliff, and he just starts screaming for their blood, and that cues the boys to just start gunning it to the transport they're just full-on sprint running to the extraction site now.
0: <laughs> yeah the banners fucking all ignited again too they're like oh hell no we're done
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and with that they decide that well we're probably surrounded so we might as well make our stand here we get a really cool shot too as it whirls around all of them they're all standing in a circle or around the banner uh, they're all sounding off each of their names too and the Chaos Space Marines are just looking down at them from the cliffs.
0: It's a badass shot. Like I- I'll give it one thing is the fights and like the fight shots in this movie are still pretty cool. And then yeah. the fact that they keep it brutal, which is Warhammer's style, with like the mm-hmm. straight up like dome splitting and shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah.
1: Enough is never enough in Warhammer. No, you gotta that's go very all true. The way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: oh so, shit.
1: At this point though, the ultramarines, they're down from the cliffs and they're onto solid ground again. Karnak points out that there's a a hill vantage not far from their position, but Proteus thinks that that's exactly what the Black Legion wants them to do. They want them to to run to range points so they can cut them off and just hack them down, so he tells them that they need to just hold their ground. He's confident that they won't expect a chaplain to be with them, but for some reason, Karnak, continuing to be as suspicious as possible, just gives the answer of, well, I wouldn't be so sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why he's acting this way, but... So the audience
0: knows, man. So there's no mystery.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. At this point, though, uh,
1: it's a little confusing as to how much dust is actually covering their position. In some shots, it looks like the visibility is non-existent. But in others, like from the perspective of the Black Legion looking down on them from the cliffs, they can see everything and what's going on down there. (laughs) And I imagine maybe they just don't decide to shoot from the cliffs because they're too far away or something. I I, I don't know. (laughs) All the Ultramarines, though, they're nervous. They're reciting prayers, and we get a, another great semi-cynical British line. The Emperor
4: protects. But having a loaded bolt never hurt either.
1: As the Black Legion starts running in, we get a sweet slow-mo shot of a bolt doming the first guy, and all oh, hell yeah, breaks yeah. loose again. Dudes are getting set on fire. Black Legion guys are shooting from a cliff. Grenades are flying everywhere. Dudes are getting thrown around in melee. It's just total pandemonium. We get, yeah. we like,
0: slow-mo slow mo burns of, like, uh, yeah, the like chaos are, like, burning up and everything. And, mm-hmm. and like, body parts fucking splitting. It's sweet. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Karnak is just standing around, though,
1: just still as a statue. So Varanar asks him if he's doing all right, if he even has a weapon to fight. And as, a uh, about six <laughs> Black Legion guys, they're all running at him. <laughs> he, uh, he decides to use his special chaplain weapon. He sends out an energy wave from his mace, which is formerly referred to as a Crozius Arcanum. And what it does is it can distort gravity, which in this case means it slows the Chaos guys down enough for the boys to just gun them down where they stand. Very cool shot. As they fall back, Karnak seems to get hit in the side, but he doesn't let that slow him down. He just keeps trucking forward. More guys keep coming in and one of the Ultramarines gets lit up. He's just done for. Another guy gets an axe on the shoulder and Karnak can't use the Crozius again because it needs to recharge. So, Flamethrower guy, he decides to sacrifice himself. He just overloads one of his takes and it just blows up everybody around him
0: yeah dude yeah. the space marines are dropping like flies man <laughs> yeah, this thing like just yeah he chooses to aoe the whole fucking thing he's like fuck it
1: <laughs> miraculously none of the uh surviving ultramarines actually get hurt by this but all the black legion yeah are dead.
0: what the hell whatever <laughs> uh,
1: proteus also uh, as they're all getting up notes that more of them are going to keep coming in out of absolutely nowhere though, the captain comes through from the cliffs. He's jumping through fire and flames and he just starts ripping people's heads off. He's stabbing people with his knife and just shooting
0: the shit out of guys. I wrote it down as he comes in rambo fucking the entire army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. He's like chainsword and skulls and everything, man. It's fucking sick.
1: Yeah, Proteus throws his chainsword back, so he just starts ballerina dancing, just cutting dudes' heads off <laughs> and chopping limbs and shit. It's so good. They start just gunning it at this point too. Now that the captain's back. Their transport it drops some bombs as they retreat, and they finally get on board safe and sound, going back up to the ship. Everything's everything's gonna be okay now, except not really.
0: Yeah. yeah the crew's fucking speechless on the ship now too they're like how the hell did that just happen it was almost (laughs) just like like the Wyatt Earp scene in the last episode like everyone's just stood there and like watched it and like what the fuck (laughs) yeah exactly
1: nobody knows how they survived that and they don't even understand how the captain survived
4: captain
3: how how are you alive the emperor protects
4: come on extraction is waiting move out
1: Everyone's getting patched up, though. Proteus asks the captain how exactly he did survive, and Pythol asks him to just go tell the chaplain. The Proteus says that uh, the chaplain is maybe the reason why they survived. He suspects him of chaos taint, which, in the Warhammer universe, getting suspected of heresy is one of the absolute worst things that can happen to you. It's basically a, an all-or-nothing thing. If somebody even suspects you of heresy, you're basically as good as
0: dead. It's like a witch trial back in the day like exactly
1: but the captain proteus they decide to just go investigate him as they're hanging out in the armory karnak is there with needon and they're just standing next to the book captain tries to look in the codex and needon of course he's still trying to get over his ptsd of everything that's happened (laughs) he just points a gun directly at his head and says that nobody no matter what is able to look in the book the captain reminds him that not only does he outrank him but they're on an ultramarine ship and so He's not gonna get very far if he tries to start fights now. The captain also disarms Nidon, he just rips the gun directly from his hands. Karnak says that what he's doing is improper, and the captain decides to just look in the book anyway. But, uh-oh, plot twist. As he looks through the book, all the pages are blank. Nidon tries to say that he was confused too, but the captain's on edge now. He calls Nidon out for heresy, and Needon tries to say that the captain's made a mistake. But they bring the banner in with them, and it immediately just starts to light up when it gets near.
0: Of course.
1: <laughs> Karnak literally says, No you, and tries to go for his mace. But Proteus <laughs> stops him, and the captain just shoots him directly in the head. Nidon, of course, goes just absolutely apeshit at this, and he jumps on the captain, but the captain just tosses him around like a doll, which, if that doesn't ring any alarms in your head, that's not something that even a space marine should really be capable of doing. Well, and Fire also, bear. yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: the banners still just blasting away, and they're like, oh shit, no! It wasn't that yeah. guy.
1: Exactly. And then the most obvious twist of all time reveals itself as the captain <laughs> just starts kicking the shit out of everybody. The demon possessing the captain reveals that it was his plan all along. He starts monologuing like a cartoon supervillain, which also isn't unusual for 40K, really, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. He, his plan was to leave the fists alive, just so that he could follow them back in disguise, and they've led him right to where he wanted to be. So, The banner guy, though, he managed to lock the captain outside of the room they're in but then he just immediately dies because the captain just rips him limb from limb.
0: Yeah, basically sacrifices himself to get him out of there.
1: Mm-hmm. Proteus gets knocked out in that ensuing moment, but as he comes to, he gets picked up by Nidon, and they meet, out, uh, meet up outside the Varenor. Nidon, for whatever reason, dickishly points out that Proteus allowed the chaplain to be killed by the possessed <laughs> captain. But at the same time, like, nobody knew what was going on, so it's not like he's the only one at fault. And, yeah, no <laughs> shit.
0: But, do you gotta blame someone so you take all the credit off yourself? Yeah, of course. What in the
2: throne's name? We have five minutes to kill your captain, or this ship will be delivering a demon directly to your precious McCragge. Thanks to Proteus.
0: Somebody mentions that there's five minutes left until the ship lands at home or whatever with all the demons on board and shit.
1: Yes, so we uh, we have a, a very tense climax as the, the the ship is taken off to the Ultramarines' hold, home planet of McCraig. So once it gets there, the demons just going to have free reign of one of the least tainted and one of the most important planets to the Ultramarines in the entire galaxy. So
0: it's a lot like Alien, where they were heading back home. They, You know, the movie. Yeah, and, exactly. uh, yeah, just coming home with basically a time bomb.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, if there was any time to nut up, now's the time. Yeah. First yeah. mission. You're dying anyway, dude. You might as well fucking do it. <laughs> First mission, the stakes are your entire <laughs> chapter. You're going be
0: wiped out if you fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> your captain's a demon now, too, by the way. And you're also locked on the ship with him. So, good luck, man.
1: <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, they decided to group up. And they, they head out. They find Python and another dead marine. Python is super clawed up, though, and he tells them that it went towards the Reclusium, which is a place where holy relics are stored. It's actually the chapel-looking area from the very beginning of the movie. They sneak up on the demon, who's flipping through the pages of the book. Needon figures out that it's a way for the demon to open up another warp gate, which, again, is a problem, because they're going hit straight from a crag. So, <laughs> yeah. As the demon turns around, though, it looks like a mutated cross between the captain and the demon. It's got a big, gnarly arm and stuff like that. They start shooting at it, but it darts off with Matrix speed, basically. It just zooms out of there. Proteus' gun jams, too, of course, so he just has no weapon on hand. But he does have the banner, though. (laughs) The demon rushes Needon, and he just immediately gets tossed to the ground, and he gets knocked out. Varenor decides to have Proteus distract him, but it doesn't work, and he also gets tossed aside. And it's just Proteus and the demon now. He doesn't have any weapon. It drops directly on top of him and drags him over to the book. The demon reveals that he's going to possess Proteus and starts drawing up a ritual circle. But, as we said, since chaos is more about corruption than it is about just pure pandemonium and violence and stuff, the demon actually tries to convince Proteus that it's a good thing that he's being possessed. He's saying that once he gets home, he'll have all the glory for bringing back such a sacred relic. But... Out of nowhere, Apothecary Pythol shows up again. And he basically says, fuck glory. We're killing this <laughs> bitch together.
0: Who needs demon glory, dude? We're gonna slay all, like, the human babes back home. We don't need to just beg <laughs> demon babes, dude. Fuck that.
1: Exactly. And as badass as that moment is, though, he immediately gets picked up and decapitated.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's uh, like, we're gonna beg so many chicks. Blah, blah. <laughs> That's
1: too good. And then the demon pins Proteus to the ground again. (laughs) Varanar manages to get up, though, and he's skulking around behind the pillars. And as Proteus is looking in the reflection of the eye of Pythal's helmet, he sees uh, the Warhammer, the Thunderhammer, from the very beginning of the movie. And Proteus even uses the same helmet-smashing technique. He manages to knock the demon off of him and starts running for the hammer. He hides behind a pillar first so the demon doesn't know where he is. And then Verinor starts running around to try and distract him. It works, too, because Proteus manages to pick up the Warhammer. And he walks towards the demon. The demon's trying to be all cool and say how he can never win. But then Proteus, he just sounds off the Space Marine Creed again and just smacks the shit out of him, just kills him instantly,
0: basically. <laughs> it's badass dude. Every limb, he's like, it's like crunch. And then he goes to the left leg, crunch. And the demon's like, oh, God. And like, what's happening? <laughs> he crunches every single limb until he's just laying there.
1: Oh, uh, that's so good. Cool. One of the coolest. <laughs> Mean engine start in one minute.
3: One minute, Proteus, and your
2: death will have no purpose. Everything has a purpose. The Emperor ordains it so. You may corrupt the souls of men, but I am Steel! I am (laughs) Doom!
5: I march from the crack,
3: and I know, no fear!
1: Proteus, he confides with Varanor that he has... Absolutely no idea how he's going to explain the shit show when they get back home. <laughs> <laughs> but Varanor decides to be a bro and he takes him by the hand and he says, It's going to be an honor to help you try and sort this mess out.
0: Yeah, he's like, Dude, come on, man. Like, we literally went through like worst case scenario. Who gives a shit what people think? Well, we are.
1: <laughs> exactly. So we flash forward to the future where it seems like Proteus and Varenor, they're now the leaders of the company. Proteus, I think, is the the main captain, and Varenor is probably a surgeon or something. They're inaugurating the new Space Marines while holding the hammer high and they espousing the Space Marine creed that they will know no fear. Immediately after that, we get another zoom out shot again and the credits roll. We get some nice Gregorian chanting over the credits interspersed (laughs) with some action shots from the movie and that's it. Ultramarines, the Warhammer 40k movie published by Games Workshop, trademark, (laughs) copyrighted, whatever the title of this movie is. It's in the books now. (laughs) Damn right. For final thoughts, Billy, uh, how many chainswords chopping off limbs out of five would you give this movie?
0: Overall, entertainment wise, and we do the zero out of five thing, right? So, overall, <laughs> entertainment wise, I think this movie is garbage. <laughs> 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 but as a Warhammer fan, I appreciated the action scenes and shit. So, if it was ever just like randomly on in the background of some scenario in life that probably wouldn't happen, I wouldn't mind. But I would never, I don't think I'd go back and rewatch this, sadly. As much as I, you know, love the environment of it or the whole genre, for sure, for sure, I definitely yeah. get. that.
1: I actually had a lot more fun with this movie than I thought I would. <laughs> it, uh, the slow moments are extraordinarily slow, but yeah, I, I think they did a, a pretty decent job of just getting the whole like gothic aesthetic, and the whole thing just feels very dire and grim the entire time, and I, I kind of appreciate that. Uh, I'd watch this movie again.
0: Well, I like, so, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I have no complaints about any of that. I think it was just the script was just blah. That was the whole oh, problem. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well,
1: the... It's extremely bare bones. Like, yeah, you, you, you think of a, a skeleton of a script that they of a script that they basically didn't add anything to, and they basically just put that in the movie. Like, there's as we pointed out, the twists of this movie anybody could see coming a mile away. Yeah. Like There's there's no build up. There's no tension or anything like that. It's just it just happens.
0: Yo. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. It, like, nothing was confusing. The Space Marines looked like them. They did cool-ass Space Marine shit. Like I said, when the action was going, it was badass. But, yeah, you said it was slow. I even actually... <laughs> I had, I watched this in two sittings because there was a point in the middle when they were just, like, talking for a long time. I fell asleep. <laughs> 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 but I came back and it was all good after that.
1: Another thing you pointed out, too, which I think really helps me, is... Uh... This movie looks almost exactly like a, a cutscene from like a, a, a late nineties, early two thousands Blizzard game. Like it looks like specifically it reminded me of the, the Diablo two cutscenes. Yeah so that, gave yes. me, that gave me a lot of nostalgia, but I think uh, for some people if they know what those look like, that might either really be a, a really good thing or an especially bad thing, depending on how you look at it.
0: Yeah, I actually hated it at first, and then as the movie went on, I actually appreciated it, too. It was weird, though. They had, like, a good cast, like, an actually, like, pretty decent, solid cast. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they spent all the budget on that. Yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I was pointing out through this whole movie, it's not like it's not like they just got no-nothing British actors. Like, they got people who've been in, like, big-budget movies and stuff, so.
0: Yeah, exactly. I uh, I did happen to look up the Rotten Tomatoes rating for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have any critic ratings, clearly, but the user ratings were 39%.
1: Cool. C- continuing the trend <laughs> of only reviewing classic films.
0: <laughs> Yeah, no shit, right? Uh, I have a very short trivia, too. I don't know if you had any or not, but... Uh, I do not. Okay, so the normal trivia, I use IMDb, and for this movie, there was only three total trivias on it. Yeah. One you already talked about, where Terrence Stamp and Sir John Hurt were in the hit. Mm-hmm. I believe you mentioned that. Um, uh maybe not no, yeah yeah really. yeah 1984 movie hmm. um second trivia there there's there were actually no women depicted in this movie not even a female computer voice <laughs> that's true it's pretty crazy you don't even think about it yeah and the the movie it featured captain serverus and uh governor Cerberus actually too and he was seen in the warhammer game fire warrior in 2003 that was where uh, his character was most seen yeah interesting and that's literally the only trivia they had for this whole <laughs> movie. I was like, oh, normally I have to like pick and choose. You're like, oh, crap. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's
1: <laughs> probably a lot more if we dug for
0: it. Yeah, but... no. Yeah, I'm not trying to dig into the Warhammer websites. Uh,
1: I was just on IMDb. Right, right, right. Well, what I have to say to that is uh, Warhammer 40K is a pretty macho setting. Probably one of the most, if not the most of all time, which is... Uh, Probably something that Games Workshop kicks themselves about constantly because they always seem to want to try and branch out as much as possible, but still try and maintain the same aesthetic that built them up in the first place. And so very limited options when it comes to to women and female figures and stuff when it comes to armies and 40k.
0: Yeah, there's certain factions that do have, if not like a woman alien kind of thing, like a very feminine style ones. But Mm -hmm. as far as space marines and stuff, no way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't get that anywhere. For sure.
1: Well, if us geeking on about Warhammer for however long has piqued your interest in any way, know the Games Workshop has attempted to make Warhammer as multimedia as possible, from video games to books, even radio shows or audio dramas, whatever you want to call them. If you want a really good introduction to 40K, though, that's similar to this movie, but significantly better animated and with all of the boring stuff cut out and just the action sequences, highly recommend you go to YouTube or just Google since Games Workshop has now officially endorsed this short film, and type in Astartes Animation, and that's spelled A-S-T-A-R-T-E-S Animation. It's only 13 minutes long, but for a fan-made animation made by a single person, it is beyond exceptional. I would say that you practically owe yourself to watch this if you're a Warhammer fan, even if you're not, it is an exceptionally high quality introduction to the Warhammer fan uh, not fancy Warhammer 40k universe. I
0: almost wish they would let fans be more involved, since obviously the it's such like a uh, very loyal fan base to Warhammer that much like they did with Sonic. Remember when they let the Sonic fans make one of the games, and it was like badass.
1: Yeah, yeah it was amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let. Uh, the Warhammer fans like make the animation for a movie. I mean, for fuck's sake, that's obviously better <laughs> than whoever did this fucking one, dude.
1: Exactly. Well,
0: that, uh, that may be the case because the guy made the
1: Astartes animation. I don't know if they hired him specifically or what the rumors are now, but I've heard whispers that he's going to be involved with future projects for Games Workshop, so here's hoping that we do eventually get a Warhammer movie that's just as awesome as this movie tries to be. Heck yeah. Uh,
0: That'd be cool, man. Well, Space but, uh, Marine. I mean, we got some game. The games are badass, at least. So that, that's true. That's very true. If you want a, a really good, kind of low effort,
1: uh, just really badass uh, hack and slash type game, Warhammer Forty Thousand Space Marine is one of the best games when it comes to just venting frustration. That's amazing. Basically, did the uh, did the thing that Doom Two Thousand Sixteen did with the whole executing guys for health thing, but did it before that game did it and the animations and stuff and all the weightiness of the weapons and things like that it's one of the most visceral games i've ever played in my life
0: it's so good super brutal too and i doubt the servers are running anymore but the the multiplayer was awesome in that fucking game
1: oh oh they are like you said the Warhammer base is a very dedicated fan base and i i've been watching videos of people uploading to this day and playing on the servers man i might
0: have to check it out that'd be badass dude one night it's crazy hell yeah
1: but other than that I think we've rambled on about this very geeky subculture <laughs> very geeky thing that we, we both obsess over very much as much as we can so I don't have anything else to say Billy do you have anything to, to take us out of here
0: Uh, no man That's pretty much covers it Warhammer's badass Uh, buy a 3D printer and do it yourself because it's too <laughs> fucking expensive <laughs> yeah try to stay away from the
1: tabletop game unless you've got a lot of time and money on your hands but Other than that, I want to thank you all for listening in. Good night, good morning, and take care of yourselves. See ya. For the Emperor! Beware the alien, the mutant, the heretic.
4: no shelter for those who oppose
3: the Imperium of Man. See <laughs>